What an amazing day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Hey, if you don't mind, go ahead and start turning your Bibles to Luke 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 11 through 24. Man, this apple done ran away from me three times already today. <laughs> Make sure I get it right. Hey, it's all right if I brag on TWBC real quick this morning. Amen? Hey, I want to brag on our children's department. Uh, over the last six, seven years, the, the, the children's department has grown tremendously here uh, at the Way Bible Church. And uh, we, we've seen it, the, the numbers uh, as far as the kids coming here on a good Sunday six, seven years ago was, a, was 100 kids or so forth. So right now, each Sunday on both services, and you can imagine what uh, three services are going to be like, but on both services, they're having over 200 kids in the children's department each and every Sunday morning. Amen. That is a blessing in itself. Over the last uh, three years, Pastor Sherry uh, has been uh, going up to uh, Tennessee, I believe it is, to a, a conference. It's, a, it's the biggest kids' ministry conference that they have here in the world, actually. And there's um, countries represented all over the world that comes to this event each and every year. Uh, this event is happening on next week, and I'm, I am happy to tell you guys that TWBC will be leading out this conference this week. That is an amazing, amazing feat. Our, our Pastor Joel will be able to be there and leading out in the uh, uh, discussion sessions. Uh, Pastor Sherry is leading everything this week. I'm telling you, there is an apostolic mantle that is put on this church, and we need to embrace it as the body. Amen? We're going to change this four-state region with the help of God. Amen? Things are going to be different because the people of TWBC are out there making a change in people's lives. Amen? So I want to tell you guys of, of something that's amazing that is going on here at the Way Bible Church. Hey, this morning, Pastor Joel is, 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 has the pleasure to be at another church this morning speaking, and I'm glad that we're able to be able to do that. We're able to go ahead and let our pastor go ahead and pour into other churches. You know, if you have joined the Way Bible Church or you're here at the Way Bible Church, and if you are not about expanding the kingdom of heaven, you joined the wrong church. We're going to be an evangelistic church that goes out and change this world as we know it. And if it's got to start somewhere, why not start now? Amen. So I wanted to go ahead and just got to give you guys that 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 update on this. I am Pastor Derek Dillon, I'm the executive pastor here at the way at the best church in the world. I will have to say and I'm kind of biased. I love my church home. I love my church family. And it's great to be here with each and every one of you this morning. But I, I wanted to talk to you guys about something that. Um, you know, it's really been on my mind, and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, God, you know, how do I present this to your people? How do, how do I, I make your people understand uh, what you placed on my heart? You know, we just come out of the series of Lift, going into our three services that we're going to open up a whole nother service to be able to invite uh, more people here uh, to the Way Bible Church so they can also experience life change that you guys experience each and every Sunday. So I said, Lord, how do we do this? How do you let me be the bridge from the last series to the next series that we're going into, which is Stranger Things? How do we understand what God is doing here at the Way Bible Church? And, you know, something just kept coming up, kept coming up, kept it on. I was thinking, okay, what is this? There's a phenomenon that is going on in our society these days that uh, is really causing havoc 
on the lives of individuals throughout the world, not just the United States, not just here in Hopkins County, but the world. That phenomenon is F-O-M-O, FOMO. I have to make sure I pronunciate really well, FOMO. And if you're probably over the age of 50, you're not sure what FOMO stands for. It is the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. And what, what has really started this phenomenon is social media. We hear how this is the devil. We hear how all this stuff that people use social media for. But what social media has done is cause you to open your eyes up in the morning and grab your phone before you even go to the bathroom. Let's see what happened in the world from the time I went to sleep at 1 o'clock this morning to the time I woke up at 5 a.m. What did I miss? What did I miss? Oh, look at that. They had a party last night. Hmm. Man, don't they know I love the fish? Oh, they had a birthday party and didn't invite my kid. Hmm. Oh, girls' night out. I thought I was part of that group. Hmm. The things that we look for in the morning time when we wake up right on our phone can cause havoc in our life. It causes a separation in our life. It causes us to figure out that we can't see the people in front of us because we're too worried about the people that are on here. Social media is a highlight reel. I'm sure all of you guys have already heard about this. You see all the highs of everybody that's on there, what they're doing and how things are great. Me and my wife have a conversation all the time and say, you remember back in 19, I mean, 2004 when things were great? Nobody knew what nobody was doing. Nobody knew that there was this going on over there or that was going on over there. Nobody knew that they got left out of some situation. My wife gets on me all the time. I, my phone goes off all day. I have text messages going all day long, and I'm sitting at the dinner table, and she'll look at me with that look of love. You know, at least every man know that look, that look of love. You know, and I'm sitting in here, and I see that look out of the corner of my eye, and I go, okay. But the things that we think that we're missing in this causes a spirit of comparison. Man, I can do that. Oh, I wish I could do that. I know I can do that. The fear of missing out. Dr. McLaughlin, it says, FOMO is an emotion driven by thoughts that can create the fear of anxiety, which leads to a mental health di diagnosis. It's a symptom of a larger problem at hand. At least 3 to 13% of the population are diagnosed are diagnosed <laughs> yeah. 
or diagnosed with a condition called social anxiety. The fear of missing out. You know, here at the Way Bible Church, we like to get personal with you, too. We want to know, know you and, and, and truly get to, get to know who you are, your family are, you know. And, 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 and from here, you've, I'm sure you've heard me say some things that probably you don't hear in other churches. But, you know, I, I know all of us. Take that, take that phone to the bathroom with us. Oh, 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 some heads went down. Some heads went down. I don't want to use your phone. Anyway, hey, Luke 15, this just did not start in 2006. A very familiar passage, the parable of the prodigal son. And in verse 11, it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them not many days later. The younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. For he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, I want to stop right there for a minute. As a Jewish person growing up in this time, being around pigs was a disgrace. That's how rock bottom he had got at that time. He wanted to go and be with the pig so he can try to find a way to live. How many of us have found ourselves in a place where we've been rock bottom? You find yourself in places where you, you don't know how you got there. <laughs> But you know there's a means of survival for you to be in there at that point. He found himself feeding pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The younger son wanted everything. You know, and of course, in this time and day and age, they didn't have social media. They didn't have television. They didn't have all those things for you to be able to see what's going on outside of your, 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 your current living. But he thought that he was missing out on something. He thought that he was missing out on something. You know, we live in a society right now that everybody wants it right now. My dad said that we live in a microwave nation. 
Everybody want to punch some numbers in and get it instant. Everybody want that, that right now thing. They want that kid right now. They want that car right now. They want that job right now. They want everything right now. Nobody wants to work for nothing no more. Nobody wants to be patient for nothing no more, which leads us to be we don't know how to wait on God no more. We don't know how to wait on God to do it in his timing, to do it the way that he sees fit with it. You know, and Abraham found himself in that same position, not waiting on God, ended up with another son. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Growing up, you know, you, a lot of you have heard this story, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I tell it because it is a testimony. You know, we grew up, and we were poor. We were poor, not poor. We were poor. We couldn't even afford OR. It was on layaway. All we could afford was P.O., but say, I can remember, my dad uh, used to work in the oil, uh, oil industry back in um, the er, mid to uh, early 80s, and um, things, were, things was great. We had everything that we could ever want, everything that we could ever want, not lacking nothing. Overnight, he lost that job. Overnight, we lost the way of living that we had, thought we, we, we needed. I remember living in a three-room shotgun shack. And they call it a shotgun shack because you open the front door and you open the back door, you can look straight through the house. Yeah. I remember taking cardboard boxes and ta uh, tacking them to the wall so we can have insulation in our house. I remember when my mom would wait, go, go, try to go take a nap and there's snakes on her pillow. I remember walking around looking in the floor of the house and see the chickens running under it. I remember those things. And this was not 1930, 1920. This was here in 1980, not very long ago. I remember not having running water in my house. I remember having to warm water up on a hot plate, is what they called it, a bucket so we can all take a bath. I remember not having the things of my life. And, you know, as I look at this and, and, and reminded of, I remember my dad trying to make things work for a family of eight. I'm being the oldest of six kids. I want to make sure that I'm being an example, being a good example, and everything is okay. When everything wasn't okay, I wanted things that other kids wanted as well. He ended up finding a job working on a garbage truck. My dad would get up in the morning, rain, sleet, snow, whatever it was at that time, to go and try to make ends meet. One time he came home, big old box in hand, you know, he looked like Black Santa Claus. Well, I guess he was Black Santa Claus, so um, big box in his hand. And the six of us didn't know what it was, but we were excited because he came home in the middle of the day. He never came home in the middle of the day. He put that big box down, and it was filled with broken toys. But we thought that was the best thing in the world. We went digging through. G.I. Joe didn't have a head. Barbie didn't have a leg. But we had a good time because it was done out of his heart. I can't imagine the stuff that my dad went through trying to understand, trying to provide for his family when he couldn't. But I will say we never went hungry. 
I will say that we were, we were taken care of. But with that experience, I was thinking, I am not going to grow up like this. I would never be able to do this. I would never do that. I would never, never, never. If you have made the statement, I would never. You've already started putting walls up in your life. There's things that will happen in your life and can happen in your life that your never will become, I'm in it. So now you're in it and you're mad at everybody. It's everybody else's fault. I said I wouldn't do this, but if I didn't go and help them, I wouldn't be right here where I'm at now. That's the society that we live in. So with this experience, I grew up saying that. I would never. Think about the younger son in this. He wanted it all right now, too. He couldn't wait. He wanted to go and spend it all. Hey, everything's great here. I'm an heir to this here. I can go ahead and take it now and, and, and go ahead and do what I want to do. How many of us have that attitude? <clears throat> How many of us are living on microwave? Microwave faith. Microwave faith. <clears throat> Think about this young son. He's got all of this money. He's got everything he needs. He says, I'm going to party. I'm going to get all the girls. I'm going to get the baddest camel. <laughs> I'm going to get the finest linen. I'm going to be good. Everything that I want in life, everything that I've dreamed of in life, I'm going to get it. And I'm going to get it right now. I have a lot of interesting conversations with my oldest son. He's 14. Of course, you know the age of 14. They know it all. They got all the answers. But I, lo I love listening to him because he's got big dreams. He's got big dreams. We vacationed in, Flor in Florida a couple months ago and went to Destin. And I'm telling you, we pulled up in Destin to see all these homes on the beach. His eyes got bigger than plates. His head was on a swivel. He couldn't take his eyes off of nothing. And, 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 and he loves cars. And we, we actually, the place we lived at, uh, stayed at, a few houses down, had a uh, Lamborghini SUV. You don't see those every, every day. Oh, but he, looked, he said, I'm, this is it. This is it. This is it. He said, Papa, oh, Papa. Papa, I'm going to have me a house on the beach. I'm going to, this boy's got faith. I'm gonna, he, he's got faith. I'm going to have this house on the beach. I'm going to have this fast car. I'm going to have me an off-road vehicle. I'm going to have all of this. You know, my wife is in the back like, amen. I'm good with the house on the beach, brother. I'm good with the house on the beach. I will be there. He, wanted, he wants it all right now. He wants it all right now. You know, he's 14, and, that, and that's okay. I want him to have big dreams. I want him to be able to set goals in his life to do things, but he has to understand at the same time there's a process to that. There is a process to that. You know, and, and again, like I said, he's 14. This is, of course, after he was going to move to San Antonio, then Utah, and then Montana, and then anywhere else that, that he has said he wanted to move because he wants to be able to go and do those things. But there's a process that he needs to understand that's, you know, and what scares me is I see a lot of myself in him. 
I see the things that he does. I see the things that, you know, he, he, he's, he, he's got the mind of an inventor. He wants to be able to draw stuff and, and try to figure out problems. I go, hey, hey, buddy, they already did that. Oh, okay. So, but he's still trying to figure those things out. And, and, and we want to encourage that. But what we have to understand is there's a process to getting there. There's a process to get in there. You know, and, and, and the Father is like that with us. We want this and that, and I'm not just talking about material things either. We want to be, have, have all the spiritual stuff. We want to sing like one of the praise team members here. We want to be able to preach like Pastor Joe preached Sunday in and Sunday out. But the thing with that is you don't see what the, 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 the amount of hours the singers go through and being able to prepare their voices and do the things that they're going to do. You don't see the things that Pastor Joe does week in and week out, getting here at 5.30 on Sunday morning, praying for these seats, praying for the service, praying for those things, the sacrifice that his family goes through for those things. You don't see all of that, but we want this right now. We want it right now. But who's missing out? Who's missing out? So it, was the lavish spend, it wasn't the lavish spending the young son did that drove him to be with the pigs. What drove him to the point of not having anything, it was the fear of missing out. He truly he was missing out. There's a reason it states that he's the younger son. There's a maturing process that takes place as humans and importantly as believers. Growth is huge. Growth is huge. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Paul talks about this to the Ephesians. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. I'm sorry, and the knowledge yeah, of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's a maturing process. Everything that we do. What I knew at 14, I, 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 I wish I would have knew now, I knew then what I know now. Those things in life that, that I wanted when I, was in four, when I was 14, 15, 16, watching my dad work hard, work his bones off, and, and truly do those things, then, you know, I, I'm never going to do that. What that never caused me, <clears throat> excuse me, what that never caused me was me going out buying everything that I wanted. I became a slave to every lender in the world. I didn't have a life because now I'm working just as hard as my dad did to try to keep that living going on. There is a maturing process. You know, some of us want to be able to retire at the age of 25. I hope that's the case. Remember me. <laughs> 
But we want to retire, we want to retire young. We want to be able to do those things to enjoy life as we know it. But God came to give us life. And it gives it to us to the fullest. But the thing that we're missing out on is what heaven has to offer us than what this world has to offer us. We're so focused on what everyone else is doing and everyone else has that we miss that God has it all. He has it all. So three years ago, we we bought a house, almost four years now, and and people gave us some um, fruit trees. I'm going to say an apple tree. They gave us some, some fruit trees and uh, the, the, the process, I would say tree, but it was actually a fruit plant. It was small. It was a, it was a, it was a small plant. And, um, you know, we took that plant, put it in the sun, let it, let it get some nurturing. And, 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 and as that plant continues to grow, as we water it, fed it, do those things to help it mature and grow, it becomes a sapling. Now we can go out on its own in the yard. But it can't go out on the, in, in the yard on its own without any help. We had to put stakes down and tie string to it. So, it, you know, when the wind blows, it does not break. It does not bend over. And also, it helps it grow up straight. Right. To the point where this, this now sapling grows up to be a tree. It shakes off all the stakes and the strings and everything that's on it. It is now strong and firm to be in place. So when the wind blows, it doesn't bend and break. When the wind blows, when, 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 when the weather gets adverse, it's still planted and in its place. So that same tree that would bend and needed support to grow straight now stands on its own. It's withstanding everything that the weather has to offer it. Everything that the weather has to offer it. So what keeps us, like the younger son, what keeps us from coming home? When we realize we're at a place that everything is not where it should be, everything is not what we thought it would be, now it's time for us to come back home. We got people in this county, we got people in this four-state region, they need to come back home. But there's something that will keep them, it will keep us from making that journey back home. Look at verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. It starts off, it says, when he came to his senses. Finally, things click. I don't need to be sitting in here with this slot with these pigs. I don't need to be down in this pit going through the things that I'm going through when I have a kingdom that God has for me. There is something that keeps each and every one of us, I don't care who you are, every one of us has dealt with this and will probably continue to deal with this, hopefully a lot less as you mature. But shame keeps us from going back home. Shame keeps us from going where the Father is there to pick you up out of that slop. Shame wants to keep you in your place living with your, his buddy pride. Shame wants you to not be where God has called you to be. Shame. Shame. Shame damages our relationships and even stresses our physical and spiritual health. 
Shame is the root of control issues. Understanding the shame control connection leads to freedom from hurt and stress. Control issues. I will never. I will never. I'm going to control this. God, you had your chance with my dad. I got this over here. I will never. Shame is the root of hurtful behaviors. We know the obvious ways of abuse in a relationship, physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, all kinds of abuse in a relationship. But let me ask you this. Do you give the silent treatment? Do you give the smart remarks to your spouse? Let me ask you this. When someone disagrees with you, does it stay respectful? Or does it get nasty? There could be an issue with shame there. Shame is the key force behind compulsive behavior, overspending, substance abuse, pornography. It's all driven and maintained by the roots of shame. The compulsion is a fruit and not the root. If you cut it off, it's going to grow right back up. How many of you have dealt with, don't raise your hands, dealt with abuse issues, substance abuse? How many of you have dealt with those areas of your life Cheating on your job. Stealing at your job. Not truly being the husband or wife to your family that you are, are supposed to be. How many, uh, many of us are dealing with shame issues and not realizing it? God wants to open our eyes to that this morning. Shame is nothing new. Nothing new. Adam and Eve dealt with shame. Genesis 3, it says, God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Oh, but that cunning serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, for food, and that it was, in, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Watch it, guys. And she also gave some to her husband, who was there with her. So stop blaming the lady, guys. Stop blaming the ladies. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together 
and made themselves lion cloth. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I chuckle at that. They hid themselves from God. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing that you have done absolutely nothing that you will do that God has not seen. He knows what you're doing, but the beauty of this whole situation is he wants to be there to pull you right back out. He wants to wash you clean. He wants to make you hold again. He understands that this thing here called flesh is going to get us in a lot of trouble. It's going to cause havoc in our life. It's going to cause us to make decisions because our emotions get in the way. But God understands and he wants to pull you right back out of the slop. He wants to pull you out of the slop. Said so they hid themselves. So, you know, he knows. He knows. He made man for this very purpose, to commune and be with you. The day he blew into Adam's nostrils was the day that he wanted that relationship each and every one of us. So many times in our life, we think what we did and how we did it was so disgraceful, so hard that not any God in this world could ever forgive me. And he says, I got you, baby. I got you, baby. Come on with me. Come on with me. He wants that relationship. The text never said that he stayed and debated whether he should go or not. A lot of times we get, get to that point of, I need to be in church. I need to be in church. But so-and-so know what I did. Or my ex-wife goes there with her new husband. Or my ex-husband goes there with his new wife. I will never go to the same place they're going, they, they're at. I would never serve with them. I would never be with them. I would never, I would never. We're trying to control it, and shame is beating us down. It's beating us down. But he didn't stay there. It says that he got up, got up and went home. God is trying to tell each and every one of you, whether you're here in person or you're online, God is saying, get up. Get up. I want my babies home. Get up. So the younger son didn't stay in the, didn't stay in the slob. It's verse 9 said that he got up. Hmm. He got up. The father's waiting with a clean robe, new shoes, and a ring of authority to place on your finger. You know, we look at Adam and Eve, you know, what they did and how they hid themselves. We always joke around about, well, you know, the woman did it. The woman did it. Or I'm not taking the fruit. I'm not taking the apple. You know, the Bible doesn't say anything about an apple. It says fruit. But since we're on the subject of an apple, I want to tell you something about this apple. Early 2018, Pastor Joel, we were in a series called Planted. Fruit where you are, roots where you're going. 
Fruit where you are, roots where you're growing. And he had this message, it was called uh, juggling act. Are you juggling the fruit that you already have or are you producing new fruit? Are you producing new fruit? Now, I want you guys to think about, think about this apple. There's a testimony on a video that we're going to play here in a little bit. You guys, last week, we, we gave each and every one of you cards to put names of people on those cards to be able to pray for those people and invite them to, to, to the uh, three service, one of the three services next week. And we passed out the invitation cards. Each and every one of you have in, in, invitation cards. God has probably already given you guys names. He's probably even showed you guys faces of who needs to be on there. What are they missing? What are they missing? God wants to show them what they're missing. He wants to show them what they're missing. So in that message that Pastor Joe had, he had us take an apple. Each and every person in the congregation took an apple. We brought that apple up to the altar here. We prayed over that apple. That apple, it was just a simple apple. You don't know, you know, where this apple came from. You don't know what tree it was grown on. You don't know what state it came from for the most part. You don't know anything about that apple. But the thing what we went through in the process was to pray over the apple. And then our job was to give it to someone that we prayed over. And I want to show you guys a quick video here real quick of a testimony of something that came out of that sermon series. Guys, go ahead with the video. Hey, church family. My name is Christina, and I just wanted to take a few minutes to share a story with you. So a few years ago, Joel had a sermon, and it had to do with this, the apple. He asked everyone in the sanctuary to get an apple and that this represented a prayer for somebody. Now, long story short, five years before that, my sister and I had had a falling out, and we didn't talk. God had laid it on my heart that this apple had to go to her. And even though I wasn't prepared, God was truly leading me to do this. So I simply sent a picture of the apple with a text message that said, We were asked to use this fruit to show prayer for someone. We are supposed to give it to them. However, you aren't here with me right now. I just want you to know that I am praying for peace and healing between us, and I am praying for patience for this to happen in his time and not in mine, because if it were up to me, I would be on your porch right now begging for my sister back. I am praying for us not to hash out the past, but to just start today. And I hope that you know that when you are ready, I am here. I love you still. The thing was, was that even though I was ready, I knew that God was going to do this restoration, but it had to be in his time, and I had to trust him. I sent that text message, and it took over a week for me to get a response back. And when I did, my sister did need to hash out some things, even though I didn't particularly care for it. The thing was, was that through that process, my husband was the one that was gracious enough and patient enough with me to say, you have to give this to him because he is going to be the one that does this. This can't be your time. So through the hashing out process, I actually had to learn to not be so offended by things that people said to me that I might have actually hurt them. 
She had a right to tell me, and I had the right to listen to what she was saying. So let's fast forward two years now. My sister and I talk daily, and multiple times a day to be quite honest. We have spent holidays together. My kids now get to know their cousins. I get to have a great relationship, not only with my sister, but my brother-in-law. And we are finally the family that we were always meant to be. And it started with this and God telling me to listen. So thank you for a few minutes of your time. I hope y'all have a great service today and in the days ahead, really listen to what God is telling us to do because you never know. Next time it could be an avocado.